0: Good morning. I'm. I'm on. Good morning. I'm Erica Allen. I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon Church. It is so good to see all of you here today and not over at Publix buying all the water, uh, getting ready for for the week ahead, right? Um, the, some of my favorite words to hear at the end of housing renovations. Anybody here ever renovated a house or a business or a building, ever been a part of that? My favorite words to hear, there are four of them The end is near. Can I get an amen? The end is near right? But finally, the disheveled, disorganized, chaotic life of living out of boxes with dust all around you and all this stuff, it's finally over, right? The end is near. What really good words to hear at the end of a renovation, right? This is what I found, though. People live in, in, in renovation in the post-renovation mode, when the end is near, they sort of do one of three things, okay? They're the people who live on like the renovation never happened. So you've reorganized the bathroom, you've renovated your bathroom or your kitchen or whatever, and you still put the same stuff back in the same drawers. You don't throw anything out. That mixer that your grandma gave you 60 years ago that you'll never use, you still find some place to hide it, right? You live as if the renovation didn't even happen. Okay, have you ever been in those houses where you're like, wow, this kitchen looks really nice. Why do you have a silk flower from 1972 sitting there? You know, have you ever, but I'm. some of us live like the renovation did not even happen. The second way that some of us lives is instead of living like the renovation didn't happen we live in that frenetic chaotic energy that we have to we have to harness when we're trying to survive the renovation right the bathroom is a mess so we've just had to chaotically figure out how to get everything to the guest bathroom and make it work right but we find ourselves even after the renovation is complete as the end is near we're still living with this chaotic sort of energy when's the contractor going to call me and tell me he's found something he's not supposed to When's the sink going to mess up? When's the toilet going to mess up? When is everything going to fall apart? We live waiting for the next shoe to drop. We live with sort of this anxiety, this chaotic, frenetic energy, even as the end Of the renovation is complete. So there are those who pretend like the renovation's not happening. There are those who are going to continue after the renovation to live like they did in the midst of the renovation. And let me tell you that energy that helps you survive the renovation is not going to be what helps you enjoy the goodness of the renovation at the end. So there's a third way that you can live at the at, at the end of a renovation. You can enjoy the peace and happiness and the goodness that comes from something in your life being renovated. You can invite people over to see it. You can share, you can sleep better at night. You can not have to take so much allergy medicine because there's not as much dust in your house. You can live a calmer, more peaceful life. The end is near. Which way are you gonna live at the end of this renovation? Are you going to live like God hasn't even renovated your life or the things around you? Are you going to live with the same chaotic, frenetic energy that you've had to live with for God to to take some rotten things out of your life and replace it with better things? Are you going to live with that same kind of sort of chaotic, like not sure what's going to happen next? Are you going to live like that? Are we ready to live as people who are calm and peaceful, offering the goodness of a renovated life to a world desperate for renovations Itself? That's our question this morning. I need to be honest with y'all. I pulled up today's reading that we were going to use. The end is near, is how Peter a disciple of Jesus, one of his closest followers and best friends. He walked beside Jesus. He was there when Jesus healed. He was there when Jesus fed 5,000 people. He walked beside the mother of Jesus as he walked the, the long road to the cross and he was there on the day that the tomb, the, the stone was rolled away and he looked in there and it was empty and Jesus had risen again. Peter was there for all of that. And as the end of Jesus' renovation was near, Jesus looked at him and he said, You have a job, Peter. Feed my lambs. Do my work. Go into all the world, baptize people, and let them know about my good news. And so Peter, as the end of sort of the renovation that he got to be a part of, as it was complete, he had some choices to make. How was he going to live? Like the renovation of Jesus didn't happen and it didn't matter. Three years of walking beside him didn't matter. A crucifixion and a resurrection didn't matter. Was he going to live like that? Was he going to live at that same pace that he lived with Jesus where they'd have to work really hard and then go away to the garden or to the boat and take a break? Was he going to live at that same kind of pace or was he going to live offering good news and restoration to a world desperate for it? And so Peter started new churches. He gathered groups of people just like you all are gathered here today. He gathered them in the rooms of homes or in the back of restaurants or inns or wherever they could meet. They would gather together in the early days of the church. They'd read some teachings of Jesus. They'd pray. They'd sing songs about the the risen Jesus and what it was he was calling them to do. They'd eat together. They'd encourage one another. And then they would ask one another, Are we going to go out into the world and renovate? Are we going to sit here and pretend like this didn't happen? And most of the time they say, we're going to go out there and we're going to join in the renovating work that God's already doing. We're going to feed the hungry. We're going to care for the sick. We're going to make sure widows are taken care of. Orphans will have homes. We're going to do the work of the risen Christ in the world. And then they do this and then Peter would go on to the next place and start another church. And then sometimes, like churches do, they would get in touch with Peter and they're like, Hey, we forgot what we we're supposed to do. <laughs> this, this renovation is harder than we thought. We've, we've ripped out the hard parts of our lives that weren't making sense. We've ripped out the rotten parts. We've, repaired, we've let God repair the foundations. But now it's time for the finishing touches. And we don't know what color tile to put in the, in the room that we're worshiping in anymore. Right? We don't know what the finishing touches of this church is supposed to look like. And then they also get in touch with him and they're like, Peter, we're ready to give up. We're going to stop meeting together. We're going to stop holding hands and getting, getting to the work of the risen Jesus in the world. We're going to give up. Our movement has given up. We are going to give up. We are hopeless. We are desperate. We're being persecuted everywhere we turn. We are suffering and things are hard and we don't want to keep doing this anymore. And so Peter sits down and he writes him a letter. It's the letter we've been looking at the last three weeks. This will be our, first, first, our fourth week. It's called 1 Peter and today we're going to be in chapter 4. Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, we're going to be in verse 7. And, and we're just going to stay right here for just a second. The end of all things is near. This is what Peter writes to a church who's desperate and lonely and give out and exhausted. They've done everything they can do. They are tired of suffering. They are tired of experiencing persecution. And Peter says, don't worry. The end of all things is near. I was like, Peter, these people are give out. They're hopeless and they're desperate. Could you pump them up a little bit? Saying the end is near is not very exciting, right? Give them some hope. Peter, but you know what he tells him to do? Be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. How often in the midst of of a renovation when the end is near, the last thing we do is slow down a little bit, get clear about the things around us and where we're headed, get sober And in a a, a way of recovering and living differently than the energy you've lived in during the renovation, how often do we miss this step to be alert and of sober mind so that we may pray? Because the renovating work of God doesn't just depend on you rolling up your sleeves and working really hard. The renovating work of God depends on the one whom we pray to and get power from to do this work. The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. 4, 8. We can go to the next one. Sorry. Above all, when, when this renovation is over, above all, the finishing touch is that you love each other deeply. Does it say fix each other more? Does it say tell each other how to live? Post on Facebook about your latest political opinion because you might change the mind of everybody around you. No. He says, above all, when this renovation is complete, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Renovations have to cover up some nasty, ugly things sometimes, right? We rip it out and we put something new in. That's what God does in our lives. And when we can love each other deeply, this renovation takes root in our lives and in our world in a way that causes everything to change. Above all, if you're confused about how to live your life this week, above all, love someone deeply because it covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without complaining without grumbling. I, I, I have to tell y'all this week, I spent most of my week as a pastor caring for, for a family who six months ago a doctor looked at them and said, your mom is young. She's fought cancer and beat it for 14 years, but it's back and the end is near. And she died last week. The end is near. The hardest thing this family had to hear. I cared for them this week. I I shared a message at her funeral this week. And so many times I know that the only thing that the people, her closest friends and family, the things they wanted to do was to be able to offer hospitality to one another. What they would have done for one more hug, for one more cup of coffee, for one more meal, for one more second with her. They would have done just about anything. But so many of us forget that the end is actually near and we just live in this frenetic pace of renovating the world that we forget to slow down and offer hospitality to people around us without complaining. Aren't you grateful we had this amount of people walk in the door today to share worshiping and loving Jesus with? Aren't we lucky that Kate takes our kids over there and teaches them about Jesus? Can I get an amen? What does it look like for us to slow down? We don't don't worship here every Sunday because we don't have anything better to do. We worship here because we get a chance to offer hospitality and love to one another without complaining. Jessica and Harrison move here from Tennessee and they hand you a cup of coffee because they're so glad to have a fellowship of believers around them, supporting them and loving them in life. What a lucky thing that we get to do to offer one another hospitality. Slow down just a little bit. The end is closer than you think. I promise you. The end is closer than you think. Offer hospitality to those around us without complaining. Was it hard to get three kids here this morning? My in laws took them for a little bit, so they probably tell you yes. I know. <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> I won't look at them. <laughs> Thank you for what you do without grumbling. I'm grateful for it. But I know what you, I watched you drag your kids in, get yourself out of bed after a Lizzo concert. It happened today. People are here offering hospitality to one another without grumbling because we have an opportunity to love each other deeply. And we get to practice something in this space that matters. We practice every single Sunday offering something that God has taught us to do, has empowered us to do, so that we can go teach a world who couldn't get out of bed after a Lizzo concert this morning because they had nothing to look forward to. That was the best thing that would happen to them this week. We serve a world where their, their kids are, are tired and hungry. They have no way to find out their next person, purpose. We are here this morning because what we are doing is actually renovating our lives and empowering us to be people of God to empower the world around us. What does it look like for us to practice this faith without grumbling or complaining? Each of you, each of you in here should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I don't know if anybody's told you, but you have a gift you have a purpose. I'm not talking to the person beside you or over here on this side of the room or just the band or Chris in the back. I'm talking to you. You have a purpose and a gift. What is it? Use it to serve others as faithful stewards of the renovation God has for this world. If anyone speaks, some of you are gifted to speak, do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things, listen, this is what the renovation is all about, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Because it's not about us looking good. It's about people knowing of the glory and goodness of Jesus Christ. Is there one more verse? Yeah, that last verse. To him, I was like, there's more. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. There are three things to remember when you renovate. One is upgrade. Don't put worse things back. Once you've taken the time to renovate a room and rip out the stuff, don't put terrible stuff back in its place, right? Make sure you go through the effort to upgrade. Every single one of you here this morning, God has renovated your life in some way. You're like, no, God hasn't renovated my life yet. Yes, if you are here right now this morning, God is beginning a renovation in your life. As God takes out the rotten parts of your life, fixes the foundation in your life, as the renovation happens, don't forget to let the final touches that's going back on your life be upgraded. Make sure they're covered in love. That you're clear about the gifts that you have and that you're offering it in a way that makes sense. Upgrade. Let God upgrade the things that God has done in your life. It's time for that. Some of you are like, I've been here for a while. I feel like God's renovated my life. The final touches are the most important part. And, and did y'all hear verse 12? Not because of people are going to look at us and say, Oh, look at that person. They're so changed and awesome. But because they'll look at that person and say, If God could do that in their lives, imagine what God could do in my life. If God can use them to renovate something, imagine what God might be able to use me to do. I want that. Are we living in a way that the renovations God has in our lives has us hungry, has other people hungry, for the renovation God wants in their lives. It takes an upgrade. These final touches, this loving each other deeply, making sure you're serving people, you're using your gifts, you're showing up, you're being hospitable, these finishing touches The the hardest part of a house renovation, y'all are talking to someone who cried in the middle of Home Depot in the middle of a renovation because I had to make choices about gray tile or white tile or brown tile, and I lost it. I was like, I cannot make this decision. And the Home Depot guy standing there with me and Chris, he's like, are you all right? Chris is like, "She's she's not all right. She is not all right. He's like, honey, just step out to the car. I can handle this. I'm good at making decisions, but put three different shades of gray in front of me, and I don't know what to do. Those finishing touches take time, and that's why you start these finishing touches of renovation with prayer and a clear mind and connection to God. Because church, here's what we can do. We can spend all our time arguing about what all is a sin and who we're going to offer love to and what color the carpet's going to be and what kind of camera we're going to buy and what kind of lights there's going to be and what kind of small groups we're going to have and what kind of studies. We can spend all our time arguing about that and miss out on the most important part which is put the finishing touches in there they matter what is it in your life or in your family or in the work around you have you spent too much time not thinking about how to upgrade it that's what that's what peter says let god upgrade it go the extra bit put on the pretty brush, whatever. I don't know. I was terrible at renovating the bathroom. Chris should have preached the sermon (laughs) because details are not my thing. Uh, uh, So make sure you upgrade. The second thing is decorate with a consistent style. It's the second rule. And this is what he says, right? The style should be about Jesus, loving and serving. If the style of your Christian life isn't about loving others deeply and serving others, it's probably not the right style. And that finishing touch that you keep telling people about is going to look tacky. It's going to look like that silk flower from 1978 sitting in the middle of your subway tile kitchen. It's not going to work. Loving and serving is the style of Jesus. And it needs to be deeply woven into the finishing details of the renovating work of God. Where is it that other things matter more than that? where is it that we've messed up messed up on that part of the style decorate with a consistent style the third thing is to share it if god has renovated your life don't keep it to your to yourself share it share it with other people you see some empty y'all see these empty seats around here you know what they are these are seats crying out for people whose lives are desperate for renovation find them and drag them in here let god start the work that needs to happen in their lives look at these chairs it's time for you to start sharing the work of Jesus because what's the fourth thing that a construction company does before they leave their leave your house after they've renovated it what do they ask you to do y'all I walk through South Tampa I know every roofing company every bathroom remodel every, because they put a sign in your yard and then they pull off they're like enjoy this but tell other people about it is your life been renovated in a way that other people see a sign pointing to Jesus and want more of him. Have you shared the renovation of God with somebody? Have you invited them to experience what it is God wants to renovate in their lives? Share it. It's the most important thing we do with the renovation. I started off today by telling you that the end is near is the best thing you could hear in the end of a renovation, but it's some of the saddest and hardest words that we hear at the end of our lives. But so often we live at such a frenetic pace that we never think about what we want people to remember about the renovations God has done in our lives. And so I know y'all have come in here in a busy in the middle of a busy weekend and you're headed out to more stuff. I know that, but for just a moment, can you stop? And can you ask God, what does it mean that, you, what does it mean that the end is near? What is, how do you want me living? What is it about the renovation in my life? Do you want to put some finishing touches on? What is it you want me to do just a little bit different? How can I love others deeper? How can I be more hospitable? How can I quit complaining so much? How can the style that God is putting on my life be, be one that says, I love and I serve? You have a moment right now to ask that question. We don't get many of these moments to stop in life, to get off the, the, the rat race of life and, and just think, what is it that I want to be remembered for? I got a call last Sunday and then on Friday night, right before Chris and I went to bed, his best friend, the best man in our wedding, texted us and he said, my dad just had a heart attack, I need you to pray. He's in Seattle, his dad's in Mississippi. He texted us two hours later and his dad had passed away the end is near it made me stop for just a second this week and think it's a little closer than we think and i'm not trying to be morbid i'm just asking us to make sure we're living knowing that the end is nearer than we think because it causes us to live with a little bit more intentionality than we do when we pretend like it's not coming when we pretend like renovations haven't happened larry white justin's dad Retired from a a job that he'd worked for 30 years. And there was a, a Methodist boss person, a United Methodist Church pastor person, and they needed somebody to go and preach and serve two teeny tiny churches in the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. They had nobody to send them to. And Larry, who'd retired and was looking forward to a life of putting his feet up and watching TV and you know doing some fun things, he said, send me, I'll go. Because he told Connie, he looked at her, his, his boss, this woman that asked him to do this, and he said, I don't want to live the, the last days of my life and not have made some kind of difference that God asks me to make. He, there is a church gathered, there are two churches gathered somewhere in Mississippi without a pastor who's loved and cared for them for the past three or four months. And I don't say that because I want us to be sad and depressed. I say it because the end is closer than you think. And it's time to start thinking about how, what you're letting God do with this renovated life that you're living. Does it matter? Is it making other people hungry? Is it giving honor and glory and praise to Jesus? You have a second to ask that question right now. And I need to tell y'all, And when I slow down, sometimes I'm like, God, I'm real sorry I'm messing that part up real bad. I said that a couple times this week. I wrote it in my journal last night. I'm real sorry I'm messing that part up. Rip this part out and, and put some better finishing touches on it, God. God's grace will do that. God's grace and love will do that. But don't miss out on the opportunity to let God show off the finishing touches he wants for your life. Don't out Aldon, you have a moment now this morning to think about what is it that I want people to see in the renovated life God has given to me. It matters. And there's somebody in this world hungry for the renovation God has for them, that God's going to use your finishing touches to draw them unto him. Thank you, God, for using the humble people in this room to invite others into your renovation. Will you pray with me? God, for those sitting here this morning knowing full well what some of the finishing touches you want to put on their lives is, I pray. For those who are desperate for their lives to matter and to have purpose, I pray. And I pray in this moment that every single person in this room will feel the power of Jesus that goes on forever and ever and ever to equip us to share your renovating love with a world desperate for it. Renovate us this morning and use us to renovate a world desperate for your love and your service. Amen.